Welcome to When Things Go Wrong, a show about what to do when things you expect to go just fine simply don't. Often it has nothing to do with what you did or what you didn't do, and yet it affects you in profound ways. I'm your host, Frank Sapovitz, and I've spent more than 30 years creating, managing, and producing major sports and entertainment events. And on this show, we'll meet fascinating people from all walks of life and business who had to manage difficult problems, often under tremendous pressure. You'll hear from pros who'll show us how they have avoided disaster or managed a crisis when one happened anyway. Today's guest is someone who knows a great deal about preparing for the unexpected and handling challenges in real time, very often with millions of people watching, because that is the exciting and, to me at least, the incredibly frightening world of live television. Adam Wald is the Director of Production Operations and Management for NBC Universal and NBC News. He is the line producer for NBC Entertainment's holiday shows like the nationally broadcast Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, the tree lighting at Rockefeller Center, and Macy's Fourth of July fireworks show. But I often think of Adam when a hurricane is headed toward the U.S. mainland or when other major news is breaking because very often he and his team are rushing to the scene of trouble to provide us with television images and very important human stories. And he's going to share some of those fascinating stories behind the stories in this episode of When Things Go Wrong. Here's my conversation with Adam Wald. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Adam Wald, welcome. Frank, it's great to be here. It's great to be with you today. I appreciate it. Thank you. It's great to have you. So, Adam, when there's a threat to our safety, say a Category 5 hurricane heading our way, most of us would naturally try to take ourselves away from the danger. But at the same time that thousands of vehicles are in bumper-to-bumper traffic trying to get out of town, there's that one lonely SUV that we see heading in the exact opposite direction, and you're in it. What's that like? So, yes, I've been in that SUV a number of times, and it's a sobering moment. It really is. Um, to be part of a, a news division such as NBC News, it's it's an honor, right? It's a it's a tradition um, that's that's been around for just so many years of so many great and talented people. And I think we all have this tremendous sense of responsibility uh, to, to tell people the news as it happens from the ground, on the ground, and to be able to talk to people on the ground where all things are happening, good and bad. So yeah, I've been in that lone SUV coming from the airport when there's nobody else at the airport coming in, everyone's leaving. And I drive down the highway uh, down towards the, the shore of, you know, pick a state that unfortunately, you know, continues just to get battered by hurricanes. And it is a moment unlike any other. Uh, and I can think of it happening to me a number of times now. And it's happened to all my colleagues, too, that one side of the highway is jam packed, 
jam-packed bumper-to-bumper, three miles an hour of cars leaving, pick a city in the U.S. that's been hit or about to be hit. And here I am, little old Adam from New York, driving right into the storm. Um, and it's it's scary. I mean, it is scary. I won't, I won't beat around it. And there are terrifying moments about it. And we have ways to protect ourselves and ways to stay safe. But you know, at that moment, you are going into the eye of the storm. And there is a risk involved. You know what that risk is. And you take it into account of being able to tell the story as it happens. Uh, and trying to keep people safe is important, but also as important as trying to get that story on the air for the viewers at home. So we're going to talk about that specifically. So your team covered Hurricane Harvey when it hit the Texas Gulf Coast in 2017. And, and you were there during the catastrophic flooding that came along with it. Things must have been going wrong really all around you. You were there to cover that story, but you clearly didn't want something going wrong with you or with your team. So tell us a little bit about how you and your team operate, how you stay safe, steer clear of danger when you're really literally in the eye of the storm. Yeah, so the hurricane is a, a, a very perfect example of everything going wrong around you. Everything is not okay. And it's your job to keep, it's, it's my job and it's the job of all of us on the team is to keep each other safe and healthy uh, and then once that is okay, to get a story on the air. So yeah, Hurricane Harvey was a wild one. It was uh, a really catastrophic storm that that came through uh, Texas and hit Houston incredibly hard uh, and flooding, you know, like nothing that I have seen in person. Um, maybe the pictures of Hurricane Katrina can compare and maybe nothing will ever can compare to that. I understand that, but but Harvey, for the people that were there on the ground, was was devastating. Um, and the flooding was really, it was something that's going to stick with me for the rest of my life. We were driving on the highway from going outside of Houston from one town to the next. And the highway would end. It would end in front of you. And it would end with a lake of where the highway should be. And that was a moment where, okay, we are going to turn around and figure out another way to tell this story and another way to, to get on the air. Um, a great uh, example, I think, of things going wrong in front of us is we were setting up for a broadcast. Uh, I believe it was nightly news broadcast. It was outside of the city of Houston. And we were in front of really an epic flood that was at one point a humongous intersection. And here comes a very small car trying to get through the flood. And you knew it was going to be bad. We all knew it was one person in a car driving through a flood. People started, we all started to take shoes off and, you know, and try to take valuables outside of um, our pockets to because we were about to go help this poor guy driving through the flood. And by the grace of God, I don't know how he made it through with flood water up to his neck. The car kept going through the flood water. And that really is a, a it's a picture in my mind, a picture of just one moment that really was never on air. No one ever saw it. 
just the people that were about to tell another story saw it. But I know for all of us, it was a snapshot of time that is, is ingrained in, in all of our minds. Well, personally, if I saw the, the pairs of animals heading toward that big boat, I would have turned around too. It's time to get on the ark. <laughs> no question about it. So, okay, let's talk about, you know, it's, let's say a major storm is, is bearing down on the Gulf Coast. Pick your next one. So you're in your office at 30 Rockefeller Plaza finishing up for the day, and you're getting ready to grab dinner with the family, and you get that phone call to get somewhere else in a hurry. Tell us about what happens right after you get that call and what you have to do under the pressure of time. You know, it's interesting. There's there's something and depending on your age bracket, nothing good ever happens if you're out after X. Nothing good ever happens if you're out after 12 or two. For me, I'm, I'm long in bed by 10. But if my phone is ringing at Saturday morning at 7 a.m. or Thursday night at 9 p.m., something is not right. Something went wrong. Uh, and if the phone call comes that we are going to mobilize for a hurricane, we everyone that works at NBC is really a true professional and a veteran of, of what we do, of telling new stories. Um, the first thing is, is I tell my wife, I will not be home this weekend. So whatever plans we had, let's cancel, which she is now very receptive to. And uh, I, I can't be luckier in that regard. Um, but it's you tr you go back to basics of keeping people safe. Right. So aside the fact that we have to get there on a flight, once we're there, now what? Hurricanes are tricky, right? Because everything closes. So you need food, shelter, water, health and safety. That's it. You need those four things. And then you can tell the story. So getting hotel rooms up and ready, hotel rooms that are out of direct impact of a storm, that is key. Hotel rooms that are in a building that will keep people safe, that is key. Grocery stores, when you get there, are going to be closed. So do we need to send somebody three hours in to not Houston, but Dallas, to a city that's not affected to now get food, water, and supplies? Do we need to do that? Do we need to start sending gear? And this is this is I'm not taking the credit. This is there's an entire army of people and and uh, and managers above me that make these, some of these decisions that we then implement. Does gear need to come from New York? Does supplies need to come from New York? Does supplies need to come from Washington or Burbank? Um, those are questions that get answered immediately. Uh, and then, do we need to send? How bad is it going to be? Do we need to send MREs? Right. All, all news networks have their own supplies of MREs, and you don't think about that for a news network. You think about that for, wait, you need an MRE in Afghanistan, right? And we're not soldiers. We're not, we're not heroes by any means, but we got to eat. So do we need to start sending in those, those kind of supplies? And that's really the, the first few things that, that come through. So how do, you, how do you pick a hotel that's not in the direct path when you don't know where the direct path is going to be? That's that's a great question, Frank. And, and it is as tricky as tricky can be. And, and and thankfully, we have we have a terrific team of meteorologists and, and honor weathermen and honor meteorologists and people behind the scenes. And you don't always know. Um, and and that is it's it's always a little bit we're rolling the dice. Right. And you try 
to roll the dice in a way that does not come up sevens. Right. Um, but, you know, you, you never want to be on a barrier island, right? If you're on a barrier island, you're going to get stuck. So that's automatic no. Mm-hmm. You want to be at a hotel that, you know, has a few floors above the first floor in case there is flooding. You want to be at a property that has a backup generator if possible. That way you can keep keep the lights on if, if needed. And sometimes those generators go down as well. So it's it's a cat and mouse game of trying to 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 try to stay safe during the most unknown 24 to 48 hours that could possibly come up. So one of the stories I've heard you tell, Adam, is about an interview with Gene Krantz, who was the master of mission control and who oversaw NASA's response to the Apollo 13 crisis. What, what lessons about responding to a crisis and managing people around you when faced with a tough problem, did you learn from the Gene Kranz interview? Years ago, I had a great opportunity um, to be a part of the storytelling team that was doing an anniversary for Apollo 13. Um, You know, and for any kid at heart that, you know, grew up for any point of life wanting to be an astronaut and looking up at the stars, it was an honor and a treat to be a part of it. Um, Yeah, and we, we did... We had the great honor of interv- of interviewing Gene Krantz um, at the old Mission Control in Houston, Texas, which is which they still keep um, as uh, really as a museum to, to space history. And, and the one thing that really stuck with me um, during that is that when everything was going wrong and people were getting a little bit ahead of themselves, I'm not going to say panic but getting ahead of themselves in mission control. He stopped the room. He stopped the room and said, we need to take a beat and we need to work the problem. And that right there sticks with me every single day. You need to stop and work the problem. And really that it it comes up in my mind. If it's not every day, it's every other day. When when things are going wrong, trying to think too far ahead is not going to help at all. You got to think about what is the next step to get past the initial problem right then, right now. And then we can go further and say, how far down the line is this going to impact us? Stop and work the problem. So what what Gene Krantz was saying really was it, it's important to respond not react. You're not going to you're not going to react too quickly. You want to be thoughtful. And the only way that you can refocus yourself and be thoughtful is to stop for a second. And when you do, then then reality starts to take on a different look. Yeah, it's it's interesting, Frank, and I don't know how this came about to be a part of my personality. But when things are going wrong around me, I sometimes and I often slow down, like I feel myself slowing down, my thought presses slow down, then I'll focus on the problem and not get too far ahead and focus on what is important right now so that we can meet the end goal later on, whether that's getting a show on the air, whether that's keeping somebody safe, whether that's just putting food on somebody's table that they're in a bad situation in a hurricane, whatever that is going wrong, what what problem can we solve right now inside um, an anxiety ridden mess 
but outwardly it's not i'm not portraying that so did, did you develop that over time or is that something that you learned it's i it's for sure something that i learned and i learned it yeah. from people around me i learned it from being in a control room where people were shouting and yelling at each other and then you look around at other people and maybe people that were in charge and they're very calm and focused right and it's trying to it's trying to it's it's surfing on an ocean that is a little too rough for you that day mm -hmm. right and you're picking your wave what wave am i going to get on what wave am i going to surf back to safety yeah and, and so does nbc help train you for those kinds of things or it, is everybody already a professional when they're sitting in that chair? No, God, no. Uh, there's terrific training that NBC offers, and I'm sure every news division offers it uh, th the same way we do. Um, and it's a testament to the great leadership at, at NBC that puts uh, safety and security of, of employees and the people working for them, for them of the utmost importance. Yeah, so there's there's rigorous, great training, and some of it's online training and, and classes and tools, and some of it's uh, training that you can get in person in very intensive, multi-day sessions uh, where you're not tied to your phone and you're not tied to your uh, to, to meetings and the calendar, and you can just sit and focus on uh, what to do in these scenarios. And some of it's reading materials, and some of it's partnering up as a as a young. Um, as a young news employee with a veteran in the field early on to get on the ground real time experience and not have to make decisions, but be able to learn from decision makers that are making those decisions in real time. Yeah, that mentorship is so important. Uh, you know, the fact is, if you if you panic outwardly, if you show that nervousness outwardly, uh, it makes it's harder to be a leader it's harder to get the problem solved. What you really have to do, as you said, was focus everyone else to help you solve the problem. And the way you do that, Adam, and I've seen you do it because you and I have worked during my day job and your day job, we've we've worked together and I've seen you, you know, rally the troops and, and kind of stop, take that beat that Gene Kranz taught you and and you know, focus on, on the end point, what you're trying to accomplish. I think so, we can all be very good at panicking, and certainly I can too, but you have to just pick the moment and realize what's happening around you, put the panic aside, and persevere instead. So let, let's talk now about the, the other part of your fascinating career at NBC, which includes the production of some very high-profile live entertainment events, like the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. And, and live television staged outside on the streets of New York City, surrounded by a million people. That's probably the least controllable environment that I can imagine. And, and it's got to be a pressure cooker. So how does your experience with in dealing with the uncontrollables of covering news stories apply to the production of live entertainment in a very public space? Uh, it's It's a great honor and tradition to be a part of the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. It's, you know, it's one of those crown jewel broadcasts, crown jewel events and, and television events that come up every year. Um, so so right then and there, I think everyone is on their A game for this event. And it's not just NBC. The, the parade is so big 
that it takes an army, it takes a village to to put it on. It's it's a fantastic Macy's event uh, run by an, an incredible group of people at Macy's. It is an amazing partnership that the city of New York uh, brings to the table between the mayor's office and the the New York Police Department and the Fire Department and many other city agencies that that are involved to to make this happen. Um, and it's really it's astounding that such a giant event can come together so smoothly each year um, and in such great order that you have all these different agencies from the city. You have two behemoth companies, Macy's and NBC, coming together all for one common goal. And that's to put on this this fun filled festival of Thanksgiving that that travels down through the city of New York while everyone at home, instead of running through the city like ants trying to get through the subway, down the street, over to work, get their breakfast, get to the office, the city stops on Thanksgiving, right? And it's interesting that it does. Um, and that everyone either stops and watches in person or stops and 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 watches on television. It is it is for me an event like no other. And it's really just because of the partnership and the camaraderie that is developed between all these institutions. And you guys make it look easy. I, I have to tell you that at 9 a.m. on Thanksgiving, every Thanksgiving morning, our our kids were sitting in front of the TV with their cinnamon rolls and and me with my coffee and a cinnamon roll or two or three or four and just having the best time. I mean, to me, it's all about family and you guys make it look easy. And I know it's not easy. So despite all of your planning and experience, expertise, how, how often does something go wrong anyway? I mean, take us behind the scenes on a day when things did not go right and how you and your team responded to that. I mean, luckily for something like the parade, things go right more often than they go wrong. But any outdoor event, you're just you're at the mercy of weather. Uh, so no matter if you work on a, on a on an event for 364 days, Mother Nature is going to do what it's going to do. And we've been through it all on something like the parade. It's there's been snow and sleet and rain. And but I, I think one one fun story is that it was so cold one year that one of the cameras we use on the parade is um, the Steadicam, right? And that's the that's a camera that that people see at home that's very smooth and you can run you can run around all over the place and and somehow that lens stays stays very smooth. Um, the Steadicam arm broke ten minutes to air, and it's not a piece of equipment that should break in half. It's made mm. out of aluminum, steel, and metal. Um, and, and talk about people coming together. Thankfully, there's, there's more Steadicams in the world. There's one operator and one Steadicam rig right there on 34th Street to watch the parade come down. But a few phone calls and a lot of help by a lot of people with the help of the NYPD, race up to NBC, race through to a few open doors that shouldn't be open normally, but people had them open ready, ready for us. I, I know it was me hopping over a few barricades where parade watchers were, running in, grabbing a new arm, racing back down with the help of many, 
giving the arm to the steady cam operator and getting that back and getting us ready to get on television. I mean, it's the little things like that that people don't see at home that really makes uh, events memorable and special. So let's talk a little bit about new ideas. Let's, so you bring new ideas to your television audiences all the time. And, and when we innovate and we do things that haven't been done before, our plan isn't really based on what might have worked the last time because there, there really wasn't the last time. So th- share some of your recollections with us of how you had to innovate and reduce risk for your coverage of something that only happened once, which was Nick Willenda's tightrope walk across the Grand Canyon. I mean, you talk about contingency planning. That is the playbook of contingency planning. Um, that was one of the most television events that I've ever done in my career. And it was one of the most amazing and, and one that I'm really most proud of. Um, Nick Willenda walked across the Grand Canyon. He did it over uh, Navajo Nation land. And the Navajo Nation was fantastic to work with. Um, really proud, strong people in Arizona, really, that were um, that fell onto their roots and core values. And you saw that day in, day out that we worked with them. Um, but we were in the middle of nowhere. This is not the Grand Canyon where you go and you visit and there's all this infrastructure that is set up. We were in the middle of nowhere. And how do you do a television show? Well, you build a small city and that's what we did. And we knew we had to do it. We, we know we have to bring in power and we have to bring in trucks and we're gonna have to bring in food and that's no problem. And then you get there for the first time and you see what you're trying to deal with. And it's, okay, we're on a big road, a main road, a highway. Great. And that highway leads to a little exit. Fine. We can deal with this. And that exit leads to a small dirt road. And now it's getting a little hairy and not, we're not thrilled. And then the little dirt road ends and the Grand Canyon's about 300 yards away from you. And that's the uh uh-oh moment of, okay, We need to build a city. The city needs to be 300 yards away from us. We're over here. What do we do? And we we bounce around a ton of ideas. How do we get it over there? Do we move it off? Do we do we move everything off of trucks on the dirt road with off road vehicles and get it over there? And no, that's not going to work. Right. Television trucks are massive. They're 53 foot trucks that expand out on both sides. They're not small, they're not light, then they're not agile. So we can't bring a truck in. Do we use more of uh, a smaller control room system? Well, no, because it's a pretty big show. So that's not going to work. So if you build it, they will come. So for this, we built a road. We built a road, not NBC, but we hired a company. We partnered with a company to build a road in the middle of the desert, in the middle of Arizona, in the middle of Navajo Nation land to get our city built next to the edge of the Grand Canyon. And that really is was amazing. And um, and it worked. And we graded the road uh, and we graveled the road so that everyone can get down there. And we built a turnaround at the end of the road because now trucks are down there and how are they going to get back? Um, And it's something that not only do I think of often, but I think of often enough that 
I will go on Google Maps and I guess Google Maps updates their their database often enough that at, shortly thereafter we finished. If you go on Google Maps and you know where to look in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of the desert, in the middle of Arizona, next to the Grand Canyon, you will find the road that led to Nick Willenda's tightrope walk across the Grand Canyon. And it's there the next time you want to do a tightrope walk across the Grand Canyon. Well, we're waiting for you, Frank, to start, <laughs> start training. I'm, I'm on a whole bunch of different tightropes, but over the Grand Canyon, I'm not so sure I'm going to do that. Filming that and being on site for that was as white knuckle as it gets. Oh, I can imagine. Um, you know, and like you felt your knees locking and your palms were sweaty while he was walking across uh, the tightrope. And and he's a sh he's definitely a showman and knows what he's doing. But I think even for him, that was an adventure of a walk, and it took a long time. Mm -hmm. It's for him to get across. It took over a half an hour, right? And that's a th an athletic achievement. Um, but yeah, I think for everyone that was on site that day, it was a wild ride. And I think we were so excited to be there and felt and and so relieved when he came to the other side no safely. Um, that it was, it really, that sticks in your mind as, you know, just an event like any other. So I, I know that I can reduce the number of things that go wrong on an event day, because that's what I do for a living most often by rehearsing all of the various performance, technical and, and logistical elements ahead of time so that I could work out all the kinks. But, but there's an awful lot about a parade, a tightrope walk, a fireworks show, uh, you know, and, and other insanity that you produce that can't be rehearsed or practiced or simulated. So so given that, what, what kinds of things do you think about to reduce the chances of something going wrong when it comes to showtime? I think for us, it's all about contingency planning. And I think for myself and the, the great team that I work with, um, it's all about thinking about the next step ahead before it happens. And it's sometimes not the best way to, to, to live life of, of what is going to go wrong next, right? That's a very glass half empty way of looking at, at things, but it's, it's part of our job and it's part of the business. But I think there's people that are glass half full and it's great and cheery. And then there's maybe event planners and, and people that work in, uh, in television and, and other media that are thinking, well, what's going to go wrong here? And it's contingency planning um, and things are going to go wrong. Every show, something is going to go wrong. A piece of equipment will fail. Somebody won't make it to where they're supposed to make it in time. Something's going to happen, right? So is do you have power that is redundant? And it's maybe a sore subject for you, Frank, from a Super Bowl that maybe didn't go as well as you were hoping it went. I can't uh, imagine what you're talking about. No, no, no. I don't think I don't think any of your listeners <laughs> do either. Um, so is the, is there redundant power if there's a generator issue or are we going to have a backup? Or do we have enough cameras in place that if a camera fails, are we OK to still get on the air? Um, and it's something for a giant show like the parade, the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade or the, the July 4th fireworks that, yes, there's tons of cameras out there. That's no problem. But for a smaller show, do we need to have just one backup camera that if our main camera goes down, do we have one to rely on? It's something that we do. Do we have a system in place where if the satellite truck goes down, 
What do we do? Do we have a system in place where if the if the park in the middle of a small town U.S., uh, if a protest comes up, what do we do? Where are we going if there's a protest? Are we staying? Is there police around us? Is there not? What's our exit strategy? So it's all things like that, that you're just constantly thinking of what's next? What is about to hit me that I'm not seeing around the corner, right? It's, it's trying to drive down a, a windy road and putting your brights on. And all of a sudden, okay, it's a little bit better. And that's really what we try to do. We try to put the brights on and, and, and see the road a little bit more clearly at night. Yeah, you really have to imagine the things that can hit you. You have to have a, a very, very dark imagination. And that's okay. Because at the end of the day, as you said, even if you have a, a glass half full attitude and as you start to plan, you're really hoping that everything's going to go OK. And hope is not a strategy. I'm not the first person to say it. Many people have said that before. You're right, Frank. And I think to me, it's not reacting in the moment. It's being prepared to react in the moment. No, that's absolutely If you're right. prepared to react in the moment, then things will go well. If you're reacting in the moment without any any preparation, good luck, because boy, you're in for a long day. <laughs> no kidding. So you, you mentioned this earlier. Once the show is over, you start evaluating, at least for the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, what you guys did when something didn't go as planned, how things went, if they did go as planned, how you're going to handle similar things the next time. What's your system? How do how do you go about that evaluation process? I, I guess I'm I'm old at heart because my system is really very simple, but it's worked for me very well. I no matter where I go and no matter what I'm doing, I carry a, a red notebook with me, and it's only red because I tend to leave it places. And now I have to go find it. So everyone has black notebooks and gray and mine's bright red. Uh, but I carry my red notebook wh wherever I'm going. And the last three pages of the notebook are always saved for larger events and larger things that are happening. And it's focused on the year ahead. And it's where I write down what we need to do differently next year. So whatever event I'm working on in the moment, for that event, I'm thinking ahead and making notes for the following year of how to do better, what we can do differently, what can help us improve. So it's a, it's a super simple system of just writing notes down in real time as they happen and saving them for um, for the following year. And, and do you do you solicit input from other people as well who are on your team or maybe even members of the audience their their input well i think members of the audience and and their input uh it's 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 a business of numbers right so if we're not doing a good job we'll see it in the ratings pretty quickly and and react differently next year um but yeah social media has been a huge turning point for for all media and television um, and the, the, the quick reactions that we get from viewers that that for sure. Yeah, we'll we'll take that into account if there's if there's something we can really sink our teeth into. But otherwise, yeah, we'll start having postmortems um, about uh, shows or, or events uh, almost immediately following their conclusion. 
Um, and it, it's, it's sometimes the next day, it's sometimes a week later, and it's, it's sometimes while we're breaking down from the event and we're still there. You know, if, uh, the, the parade is a great example. Uh, at four o'clock Eastern, while I think the Eastern seaboard is carving turkeys, we're still breaking down from the event. We're still there on site. Um, and things have quieted down and the event has passed and it's sometimes a very good moment while it's fresh in your mind to start having some really brief open conversations with people on site of, hey, how'd that go over there? It looked a little dicey for a while. Was everything okay? Um, and more often than not, it's like, yeah, yeah, we're, we're fine. It was, it was one little thing and it's all good. But if it wasn't, it's a perfect opportunity to start the conversation when it's fresh in everybody's mind for the following year. Yeah. That's right. I mean, those who don't learn from history are doomed to repeat it, right? So I, I've got one last question for you. It's a human question, um, and it's about your families. You talked about this great support system that you have and that your wife, your family, they, they understand when you get called away to, uh, to cover a major news story, especially when you're going into an area of danger where there's kind of a a, a big question as to what is going to happen to that area. Call it an act of God, a hurricane, natural disaster, whatever it is. How how do they handle that? Well, that's a, that's a really great question, Frank. Um, you know, I think any one of us that has families at home, when we start traveling uh, out the door, I, I think they know that we have a job to do and that we're proud to do it. And I think they respect that. I think... If, if you go into something like a hurricane and you're not nervous, you're lying. Um, and you take that responsibility really heavily and it weighs on you. Um, and you try to keep everyone and yourself as safe as possible, but something could go wrong. And I think families know that sitting at home too, right? And there's much more dangerous jobs out there, right? We're not, we're not any one of us that work in television, we're, we're covering things that are happening, but we're not on the front lines. We're not the police and the fire department it's they really are, are the heroes in all this we're, we're we're trying to tell their stories and that sits heavy with us that we need to go out and tell those stories uh, during the situations and i think every family that's home thousands of miles away knows that um and knows that it's that's a part of us that wants to go tells the tell these stories that wants to get ourselves onto the air to broadcast out to the world what is happening. Um, so yeah, there are there calls of, are you okay? Cause it doesn't look good. You know, and the, the wind's blowing into the phone and the, you really can't hear, but yeah, I'm, I'm good here. I'm good. That's sometimes not all that doesn't do all that good of a job, but I think it's the support system at home that it's, it starts there and it, it kind it, it keeps, people um in check on the road too right you're to not put yourself in in harm's way where you don't have to right because you want to go home the next day yeah don't don't sell yourself or your family short i think you're amazing because when when i go travel to produce an event somewhere you know at best if everything goes well people have a great time and then they go home in, in your case, you're going into a situation that you're there to cover something going wrong. You just want to make sure something doesn't go wrong for you and your families and your and your team. So, Adam, 
I, I think you're just incredible. So thank you so much, my good friend and co-conspirator. It has been an absolute pleasure to have you on When Things Go Wrong today. Thank you for sharing your wisdom, your insights, and your experiences. They've been invaluable. Frank, it's it's so great to talk to you. It's it's a, a true pleasure and an honor. Um, you're, you're a legend among men in this business, so, so thank you for having me. Learn more about how to plan for and survive the inevitable blips, bloopers, and blunders of life and business in What to Do When Things Go Wrong, available in hard copy, ebook, and audiobook from Amazon.com and other fine booksellers. I'm Frank Sapovitz, and remember, if it hasn't happened to you, it just hasn't happened to you yet. The When Things Go Wrong podcast is produced by Chris and Mandy Wimmer and is a production of Black Barrel Media in association with Fast Traffic Entertainment. You can find more Black Barrel Media shows on Apple Podcasts or wherever you are listening. For more background on this show, join us at Black Barrel Media on Facebook and Instagram, at B Barrel Media on Twitter, and on our website at blackbarrelmedia.com. See you next time, if all goes well.